The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shades thrown on High at Nine News are those of the individual speakers and not those of High at Nine News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. That's right. It is Tuesday, December 5th. And today is, I'm going to murder this, Krumpashanat Night. And better known, better known as Krampus Night, which is probably one of my new favorite holidays of the year because this guy goes around punishing bad children. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> I'm not touching that one. Yes. It's also World Soil Day. World Trick Shot Day, National Satcher Torte Day, and that's a dessert, Rico. I don't want you getting any other weird ideas. It's also International <laughs> Volunteer Day for International and Social Development. And, oh, yes, that's right. It's a big, big, big anniversary for liquor because today is the National Day of Repeal. Oh, yeah, we need to do that same thing with cannabis. And no, yes, thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. You can look down below on your screen and see where we live on the Internet. And we are live every Monday through Friday on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Rumble, and Facebook. So welcome to everyone joining us from any one of those audiences. And, oh, yes, we are going to kick it off with the botanist himself. That's right. It's the dope dad himself who is all shacked up in the crib today, just doing dad things, doing dope dad things, and that must involve lots of diaper changing. That's right. It is none other than the dope dad himself, Rico Lameet. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. Every day is a, the dopest of days for the dopest of dads. Here. Is that Black Santa Snoop in your interview right there? Oh, you like that, right? Black it's the Santa Denzel Snoop. from the Shizel. Oh, there. it's Denzel like Washington's Santa Claus. <laughs> no, not all black people look alike, Jason. Oh, okay. All right, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> Uncle Snoop is not Uncle Denzel. They're two not. very different people. So you have two different, <laughs> but, two um, different, two different black Santas. But you know where Denzel is from? The North Pole. New York. Oh boy. And that's what my story is about today. Because you know what? Last week reported on the victory for New York cannabis as a judge. Approved settlement of a lawsuit filed by a group of service disabled vets. And, you know, that news hit the airwaves, granting them a provisional license and paving the way for 436 provisional licenses to open up shop, too. 
It seemed like a decent end to a year in turmoil for the Empire State, who at the end of 2022 was promised by a governor, Kathy Hochul, 50 dispensaries to be open monthly. By the time this settlement was reached, only 26 were spoken for. But as the old adage goes, the devil's in the details. And in this case, it's no different. The exact settlement terms, which were not made public when the Cannabis Control Board approved of them last week, block the issuance of new card licenses until April 2024, at the very least. The judge also approved a second settlement to a lawsuit filed by the Coalition for Access to Regulated and Safe Cannabis, and that settlement establishes timelines for reviewing applications from registered organizations seeking adult use licenses. ROs are responsible for manufacturing and dispensing medical cannabis in New York. The agreement did reinstate the card licensing program that prioritizes individuals with prior marijuana-related convictions. But for the time being, regulators are being forced to focus on clearing backlogged provisional licenses. New applicants will have to wait even longer for their licensure. Uh, per J.D. Super's reporting, a representative of the New York Cannabis Retail Association said 30 members of his association are on the verge of bankruptcy and cannot wait until April. Judge Bryant uh, previously ruled the veterans group was likely to be successful in its lawsuit, alleging regulators acted unconstitutionally by prioritizing those with cannabis-related convictions for licensure first. While the terms of the Marijuana Regulation and Taxation Act, or the MRTA, gave priority to a large pool of social and economic equity applicants that included several distressed veterans, the veterans group claimed that the CARD program was more restrictive than legislators intended. The coalition's lawsuit used very similar verbiage. And the proposed settlement of that lawsuit grants licenses to the five ROs and establishes timelines for reviewing others also seeking adult use licenses, including several major MSOs, including Acreage, Pharmacan, Green Thumb Industries, and Curalee. Well, there you have it, folks. While the card operators whose licenses were caught up in transit will now be allowed to open along with the MSOs, the hundreds of on standby after this round's completed, whenever that may be, will be forced to compete with MSOs that have already been open after paying for staff, operating materials, and rent for a couple of years at a date known only by God herself. On the bright side, perhaps for this year's New Year's Eve photo op, Governor Hochul can show a little love to Cureleaf. They've had a pretty rough year after all. Maybe even buy a couple of tchotchkes from the gift shop this round to let the people know that she stands with them. I know I'm starting to sound like a broken record on this one, but the way this whole New York cannabis market's unraveling is eerily similar to the precedent set forth by California's industry between 2017 and 2020. What do I know? I'm just recalling to meet the dopest dad on the street for Hot 9 News. I'd love to hear what you guys think about this one. I told you so. Oh, MSO is about to eat everybody's lunch in New York. You know, that's not gonna happen. Time. you know that's not going to happen because all the bodegas are eating everybody's lunch. These MSOs <laughs> are just going to line up to lose more money now. Yeah, that chopped cheese, baby. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Chopped cheese, clout collage. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Because you cannot compete with the gray market in, in New York right now. You can't compete with the sandwich shop, with the bodega, with the smoke shop, with the with – the, um, what else did I see? Clothing stores, like everything. Like it doesn't matter that everybody is selling weed in New York right now. And unless you're going to put a dispensary on every corner, how's that going to work? 
How are you going to compete? I like the key. Give like me enough guys time and money. I will coat. put a dispensary on every corner. <laughs> and shout out. <laughs> the creepy guys in Central Park with the, the trench coats <laughs> used to open it up and have a bunch of gold watches. They got they got weed in there now, too. Want to buy some weed? Want to buy some weed? <laughs> shout out to all the sandwich makers, though. Shout out to them. Yes. I love a good sandwich. Making the sandwiches to go. Breakfast sandwiches to go. Lunch sandwiches to go York in five minutes. Sandwich is great again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, get another bait and switch by Governor Hochul here. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, I just like a man who can weave the word tchotchkes into a news story. Oh, you like the that? skill that it takes to do that without like skipping that? a beat and making that look like that's your native tongue is very. I mean, like I'm way past being impressed with Snoop Santa. The fact that you just wove tchotchkes in there. It warms my heart. That's because he used to watch. He, he's watched tons. Impressed. That's only because he's watched tons of reruns of Charles in Charge, Yarrow. Yeah, and a lot of uh, Laverne and Shout out to Scott Bayo. Shout out to Scott Bayo. Yeah. Do not your boy. diminish. Your boy. Yeah, your boy. Do not Jason. diminish Scott, Scott the dad's Yiddish. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Don't do that, Jason. Uh huh. Is is that what we're calling? Is now it's Yiddish now. Gotchki is Yiddish. Gotchki mm-hmm. Yiddish, is it? it <laughs> yeah. Now it's Yiddish. No, no, J- no Jason's claiming that one. And 2,000 years ago, it was Yiddish. Don't make like me break schmuck. out a map. It's gentrified Yiddish. Gentrified Yiddish. Oh, boy. The I great bet. gentrifier himself, Jason mm-hmm. Beck. That's right. <laughs> I specialize in gentrification. Yeah, I bet. Oh, God. I bet. Definitely I not Yiddish. I specialize in hashification. A hashification. That's yeah, right. That's that. Right. That's that beautiful sift right there. That's going that's in this fishy. beautiful hash hole. Todd, bring that. You couldn't bring that to the party. Yeah, exactly. You get another chance to watch me roll some. You, you got you another to chance to watch me roll some. Just so everybody knows, one thing that did happen to MJ Biz is that Saman Razani did win the Guinness Book of World Records for longest stuffing of a blunt, taking him four hours and twenty minutes to stuff a backwood. <laughs> Hey, very well, impressive. Hey, got hey, hey, in there. Winners are winners, dog. And here's the deal. Just because that blunt was combustible doesn't mean you should rush it. I mean, how long did it take to make a Fabergé egg? Nobody knows the answer because nobody gives a fuck. Because it's Thanks. a Fabergé egg. Because it's beautiful. Because Thanks. Indiana Jones would have stolen it if it was in a temple. Yaro, okay? you're my number one fan. I love you. Oh, so if boy. he wants to take however long it takes to get to where we're going, that blunt was a Fabergé of blunts for MJ. Just, just like my man says, you can't rush perfection. Look at this. Look at this. Oh, God. You know what? On that, we're going to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. We got a lot of people on stage today. Here we go. Got us. Sick of the December cold? Then fly out to Miami in December for Turk Basil. December 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th. Presented by Sherbinsky's at Skatebird in Miami. With tons of your favorite brands in attendance for this four-day event. As well as High at Nine News as one of the media. With live performances throughout the week by Dead Prez, Mayday, Visions Band, and Washi Fire. So, do like the birds and fly south to Miami for Turk Basil this winter, December 7th through the 10th in Miami, Florida. Oh, yeah. You, anything in Florida is fun, Nicole. You know that. No, uh, not Everything but the humidity. Oh, everything but the oh. humidity and, uh, and the mosquitoes and the rain and... You know, Trumpers. Uh, whatever. You don't yeah. like the moistness, Rico? Trumpers yeah. make the Florida great. Florida great. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they were the reason why that big condo building collapsed. 
Oh God. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Back to the news. Okay. Back to the news. And at, at that, uh, you know who it is oh, up next. News. He is the Hyatt Nine News head honcho, known for smoking the best weed in the world, and his uh, self-proclaimed love for gentrification. <laughs> Jason Beck. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know what? If you didn't have gentrification, you may have no vacation, Rico. What? Yep, that's right. That's right. That, that would include no vacation either. That would include no vacation, no any of those Asians without gentrification. But vacation. Yep. Vacation. Exact. Staycation. All of those. All of those. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, Rico. Oh, you are gonna love this story. <laughs> oh man. Minnesota is in a shitstorm because the Minnesota medical cannabis director is leaving the second opening for a marijuana regulator. The head of Minnesota's medical cannabis office is stepping down. The resignation of Chris Tolkies means that the state must now fill two vacancies for top marijuana regulators. Tolkies is leaving on Friday after nearly five years leading the office of medical cannabis and 14 years with the Minnesota Department of Public Health. She starts Monday as operations director for the city of Minneapolis's health department. In an email to NPR News, Tolkies uh, said she was honored to have worked to expand the medical cannabis program and craft the new adult use law. In a quote, I'm incredibly proud of our work and we will be cheering folks on for the upcoming implementation work. Tolkien said cannabis regulatory work is intense. And after five years of working under a microscope and at a, 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 a break, a breakneck pace, the time is right for me to make a change. She says Minnesota opened the door to medical cannabis back in 2015. And this year, the DFL led Minnesota legislature legalized adult use cannabis for adults 21 and over and set up the office of cannabis management to regulate the new industry. Uh, marijuana remains illegal under federal law, and a day after Governor Tim Waltz appointed her, Aaron Dupree resigned as director of the Office of Cannabis Management in oh, September no. after the Star Tribune and NPR News investigated her background. NPR News found that Dupree had sold products at her retail shop that exceeded the legal THC limits and had a record of unpaid taxes and court judgments. Well, well, well. Minnesota, it seems like you're two regulators shy of an actual regulated system. But nonetheless, I'm going to digress and see what y'all have to say. And this is Jason Beck for the High at Nine News. What do y'all think? Listen, I why think is she not, why is she not a great candidate for that job. position? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Why, yeah, why is she not a great candidate for that position? Like somebody who's actually been through it. They have no one. That's right. They they have no no candidates for this, Rico. This is the former lady. This is the lady, the story that we covered when she got hired one day, and the next day we're covering the story of her resignation because of her little trap shop. I know. That's what that's what I'm saying. Like, how is she not a great candidate for that? She knows how the right, game goes. She's a goes. perfect candidate. I right. think I think yeah. I think that might be a conflict of interest. It's called nepotism, guys. I think that's actually oh, called oh. a conflict of interest. Yeah, you can't. Well, will they want have... to shuffle uh, Jesse Ventura in for that spot? I think Jesse Ventura would make a perfect candidate. Even he would though... be a good regulator. I thought. Yeah. I thought he was going to be running for president, though. He would clothesline you if you stepped out of line. <laughs> body slam you. Didn't he used a to? Do, didn't he used to do the DDT? Wasn't that one of his? I wouldn't be surprised if he has a a new line of enemies coming out for Tyson 2.0. What's that, Rico? 
I said, I wouldn't be surprised if he had a new line of gummies coming out on Tyson 2.0. Would they be no, like ponytails? He's been convicted of rape. Oh boy! Whoa! Oh, God. <laughs> God, I can forgive. I don't have to. Yeah, I read my paper. That's right. Oh. Read you your paper. Sip your tea. Oh man, I'm gonna have a sip. What I what I was getting at is he has been enlisting a bunch of former wrestlers and combat fighters. And Jesse Ventura might be uh, good for that lineup, but um, yeah, he took it there. So lucky he's still there. <laughs> I just don't understand why people would stand in line to get their picture taken with a convicted rapist. I guess that's just uh, uh, the state of the union these days. I would vote for Jesse to do anything. I saw that. Do you not believe in reform? Do you believe in reform? I believe in reform. Okay. Or false you know, accusations. Did, did he not do his time? I mean, yeah, man. No, listen, I, I believe in reform. I believe in reform. I believe that as a society, we have a Judeo-Christian underpinning that is based on forgiveness, forgiveness? redemption, and, and reform. And but you're not those a Judeo -Christian. are the rules of society. Me personally, as a father to daughters, no, that's not that. You don't come back from that from in my house. That's just my rules. Okay, okay. Yaro's house. There's Yaro's getting deep with it yeah. today. Getting mm -hmm. cheeky with it. Well, he, has right for, he has every right to believe that. Yeah. It's all good. He's all good. He doesn't He doesn't have to forgive. I mean, you need to he be at a 5.0 or a 6.0 before I can even think about that. Tyson, 5 or 6.0. Then bringing me back from that. Black, so if there's a body mustang, 5.0? There's also false accusations. Um, it's the hardest I, crime in the world to get convicted of. If you've got all it, the money... My you father got all the money for defense and you still listen, can't beat that charge. There might be some there there. Let me just say this real talk. My father was accused of rape um, as a doctor, raping one of his patients. Um, and it wasn't true. Um, they were no, having that was just the cost of medical. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Yara. Hold on, Yara. I want to hear I want to hear what Nicole has to say. Real, real talk. They were having an affair. And that is why she accused him of rape. Once realizing that he was not leaving his wife. Um, that that is where the accusations came from to to ruin him. It was her goal objection. Now he had to plead out. He didn't yep. get convicted. He, he chose not to go to a trial, and so yes, that was still on his record. But that's not what happened. Mm -hmm. He did that for the best of his family. So there's always different versions and two sides of each story. And so because I experienced that personally, I I understand that it's not always what it seems to be. That's just, entirely fair. That's look well, at that. This. Well, that look that this. conversation took an unexpected dark turn. Let's uh, quick I, I, mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean. Well, a similar thing happened to my buddy uh, uh, Brandon Banks, who got who who got accused of this, and then uh, through the Exonerate program, uh, they actually made uh, his his. Uh, his his accuser actually testify, or they they got some video of her admitting that that she set it all up and she was lying the whole time, and that's the only way that he actually was exonerated. So shout out to the exonerate program that uh, that helps people get their lives back. What, what about Minnesota cannabis? Can you, can you back to Minnesota cannabis, please. <laughs> yeah, How about that. You know what? Let, let's just let let's just keep this train moving. We're gonna roll right on in to Miss <laughs> Nicole Buffong. She's the purple. <laughs> Plant magic expert. And you can also find her in Las Vegas, Nevada on Power 88 in Las Vegas on the regular on Wednesdays. And oh, she yeah. is also working with minorities for medical marijuana. That's right. Oh, yeah. It's purple plant magic herself with purple hair. It's Nicole <laughs> Buffon. Thank you, Jason. Um, so uh, my story today comes out of Alabama. 
Um, Alabama hands out 20 medical cannabis business licenses in third try. Let's try this again, Alabama. Um, and so my the story is in MJ Biz Daily um, and a couple of other outlets. Licenses were previously awarded in June and August, yet each of those rounds were nullified by AMCC. That is their control, their cannabis regulations board. Um, miscues, like using third-party evaluators with potential conflicts and votes taken behind the shadiness of closed doors without companies being able to state their case before the group, and a plethora of lawsuits by aggrieved non-awardees. This all happened in June and then again in August. This time after a settlement allowing a new round of evaluations and awards under agreed-upon conditions, like making the voting public, maybe the third time is an actual charm. By 2028, just four years from now, cannabis is projected to be a $70 billion business. Last year, it accounted for 428,059 full-time jobs. This is according to Leafly Jobs Report. The, de the death of minority, the, the lack of minority participation thus far in this geyser of new wealth has been a source of frustration nationwide since California became the first state to legalize marijuana in 1996. African-American entrepreneurs, for instance, account for less than 2% of cannabis business owners in the nation, according to that 2021 Leafly Jobs report. Um, that's worse than in 2017, when 4.3% were Black. That year, 81% of cannabis business owners were White, 5.7% Hispanic, and 2.4% Asian. A 2021 report from Leafly states the cannabis industry must show true commitment to equity as it expands, so the wealth generated by this new opportunity will uplift minority communities. If it cannot, we will continue to see these communities struggle in the shadow of white supremacy without a fair shot. Fortunately and amazingly, in these unique times, minority participation in our nascent cannabis industry is mandated by the state law, passed in 2021, making it legal to grow and distribute medical marijuana in Alabama. At least a quarter of the awardees in all one category um, must be at least 51% minority owned, defined as individuals of African-American, Native American, Hispanic, and Asian descent, according to the law, which is technically not legal, um, but th that's a whole nother story. Uh, five of those licenses awarded last week went to companies that qualified as majority owned by members of an historically undeserved, undeserved group. I Am Farms is a cultivator, Native Black Cultivation. Shout out to Antoine Mordecai, our state director for M4MM. Um, that is his company. He got a cultivation uh, license. 1819 Labs, which is a processor license. GP6 Wellness is a dispensary. And Pick, My, Pick Up My Things um, is a secure transporter. Last week, the AMCC did not announce companies being awarded integrated licenses, which allow a company to cultivate, process, transport, and sell medical cannabis products. That category was the source of most of the legal fire. Those licenses will be awarded by, on December 12th. There are 38 integrated license applicants. The law caps integrated awardees at five. So that should be interesting. In the last round, two minority-owned integrated companies, Thera True Alabama and Southeast Cannabis Company were awarded licenses. For now, at least two of the awardees are pleased and hopeful. Shout out to Roy Johnson, independent journalist that published quotes from two of the awardees. Being a minority-owned business and securing a license in the burgeoning cannabis industry in Alabama is a significant achievement, shared Alan Forrest, owner of Pick Up My Things. This presents a valuable opportunity to participate in a growing market, contributing to the economic landscape and paving the way for further diversity and inclusivity within the industry. Back in August, Antoine Mordekin, CEO of Native Black Farms, 
which has been growing hemp at its Jefferson County facility since 2020, told me it was disheartening to be denied a license a second time. He's now encouraged that the commission was able to acknowledge how we can serve as an asset to the people of Alabama. He shared with me over the weekend, I'm excited to work with the commission, the Department of Agriculture, and look forward to providing evolving insight into our new emerging industry. Companies awarded licenses have until December 15th to pay their fees. Companies denied licenses have until the same day to request a hearing before the AMCC. Um, I am so happy to for all of the awardees in Alabama. No social equity program has gotten it right. So we'll be watching this very closely. I hope that they already, these, these licensee awardees already have their funders ready to go. Um, I'm grateful that a lot of them have already been in the industry long enough to know and understand how to navigate this space and they're ready to go. So shout out to Antoine and the other awardees, um, but we'll be watching to see what happens in Alabama. <laughs> um, and um, I, I don't expect them to get it right, but we will see. Um, so this is Nicole Bufong reporting for Hyatt 9 News. Yeah, my minority uh, appreciation doesn't seem, it seems like an oxymoron in a place like Alabama. Alabama. Yeah, for sure. It are does. you saying they can't yeah. be reformed? No, I'm, I'm oh, saying that. They are. Reformed. Yes, I'm clearly saying <laughs> that. Yeah, they can't. Okay. First of all. all right, they should right. come hard with the dog whistling today. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> First of all, um, Alabama has, we don't have to go through the history um, of what Alabama has contributed to um, white supremacy in, in this in this nation, but um, but I will say that I am so proud of these these licensees for for continuing to fight. They didn't give up. Um, they recognized how important it was that they at least follow the law, follow the rules that you made yourself. How are you going to pick people that don't even go by the qualifications that you de that you demanded in the state? Um, and so they fought and fought, and hopefully. Um, the, the rest of this rollout will be nice and smooth. That's what I'm wishing for these for these awardees. <laughs> so are, are you saying that the program there had a racial preference in terms of awardees? Yes, which is so, so that, that, that's that's a real challenge. And I'm going to explain to you in my limited understanding why Please. that's going to be a problem and why that sets them up for litigious landmines in the future. So, yep. oh, affirmative yeah, action was rolled back. And as a result of affirmative action being rolled back because it was race-based preference, that's right. Uh, many municipalities, many policy writers, many uh, trade organizations, many of the people doing the good work to make sure that these programs have granular, uh, 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 that they make sense, that they're logical, that these programs are fully thought out and fleshed out, understand that when you put in these race-based preferences, you basically set a program up for civil litigation downstream with an organization unnamed, funded by who knows who, that's gonna say, hey, these are not fair because they're race-based. And so that's why we've come up with things like disproportionately impacted areas, or if you qualify for three out of the five symptoms of poverty or of being in a community of color in this country, here's how you're gonna be able to qualify for these programs. So the challenge that I have is a challenge that I have every day. I wake up every morning and it's the same darn challenge, which is that we see these programs roll out things that we have seen not work in other markets. Hello, we started the day with an article about New York that also is about rolling out things that have not worked in other markets. So here we've got this and we're shouting out, we're happy and we're hopeful and all that stuff. But if they've set up a program that we know has known landmines and is begging litigation 
later and has a chance of being rolled back, unwound, redone, whatever, then my question is, what are we doing to those current license holders and having them go down that rabbit hole, go down that path, while we know that the greatest chance is that this program is going to get modified as a result of civil litigation? Why well, do we I'll, do that over and over? I'll, I'll say this, the people they've already awarded licenses to will continue. They will move forward. And, and under the under the auspice of whatever's been laid out, even if they halt the program, those people will still continue to build and prepare and get to the point where they're ready to go. So, I mean, you're right, but it's like, dude, the whole state is that kind of situation, right? It's like, there's no impacted area. The whole thing has been impacted. And Cannabis in general has been impacted in a, in a pejorative and negative way in that state for God, countless year, decades, right? So, I mean, there it's like, it's foolish to think that, you know, the awardees it, are going to be harmed by this. It's all the applicants. It's all the people that have an actual legitimate right to join this industry and to get in there and, uh, and receive a license. They're the ones that are going to be hurt and held back. And uh, potentially even those people that have investment dollars that have already been given to them um, for this purpose are going to be in real trouble. Sure. And it's not a, it, it might be a legal situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think Yaro is absolutely right. Um, you know, in Nevada, when we looked at legislation, when we made recommendations to the state of Nevada in 2021, and they put social equity for the first time in state statute, um, minorities for medical marijuana looked at what other states language was. And that was one of the things that we made sure wasn't a qualification for qualifying for social equity. We used the disenfranchised, like you had to put in your zip code or your area code, uh, your zip code in order to determine if you qualify. Um, and it could not be based on race because we saw in other states what was happening. Um, and we didn't want to face litigation down the line um, in Nevada for those social equity applicants. So you're absolutely right, um, Saman, and so are you, Yaro. It, it goes both ways. And we, we want to hope for the best. Um, but at the same time, we've seen this happen in other states and the, it's just, it's going to be a few years down the line. It's going to slow up the process for those that did get the license, um, because they're going to put a stop to them being able to go into actual, um, operation because it's in litigation. And so I, I, I just, I don't want that to be the case. Um, but we hope we can only hope that, um, that these operators get to start making product. The, 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 the patients in Alabama deserve to have good, safe, clean product as well. Um, and so I know that they're tired of waiting. Um, so hoping that, hoping the best for this program. And, and again, hopefully because of the resources that I know that, that we've seen what has happened in other States that we can learn and these operators can also learn and, and hopefully not, not have to close their doors before they can even start operating. Cause we've seen it happen in other States. Yep. I, I agree with you, Nicole, you can always hope for the best, but you, with these types of situations, you might as well expect the worst. Mm. Don't <laughs> hope for the best. Hope for Cautious the best. Optimism. Yeah. I mean, hope I, for the best, I'm expect hopeful. the worst. As, as long as there's not one of these another injunctions or something like that that does potentially you know cause there's going to be something to you know there's going to be something Yarrow. you know there's going to be something that pops up That's but i think i think broadly from a policy perspective you, you know I, i'm trying to think of how to make an inappropriate joke appropriate like mm -hmm. i hope that race-based criteria is not the linchpin for this program 
because we can look at the symptoms of institutionalized racism, of disenfranchisement, of a lack of equal opportunity, and we can come up with criteria based on those symptoms that we sh that show up very prevalently in communities that have been more impacted. And there is just a 2.0 conversation. And to your point, Nicole, there are organizations like Minorities for Medical Marijuana, MCBA, CCIA, COA, that are that are that have template language that can be used for these programs so that on a municipal basis, people don't need to go out there and both recreate the wheel as well as create potential downstream risk for their programs by having language that isn't defensible. So I'm optimistic, but I'm also scratching my head like, yep. hey, we already knew better than this. Call Cat Packer, call somebody who's been in a regulator right. with a program and find out what they learned from that and how your language can be more defensible to avoid these civil lawsuits that will jam up, if not operators, Simon, if not the operators, at least the applicants. And I believe that every applicant should have the opportunity to go out there, work their yeah. ass off and try to make a successful business. Yeah, real quick, uh, uh, thing, it, it, it may have been inadvertent, but I caught a couple of double entendres in there because you did say linchpin and we're talking about Alabama. You did put a 2.0 in there as well. No, no, but here's the thing. He did struggle yeah. through it though. It was <laughs> painful for him to say it though. So. Our truth. I catch everything else. Spider-Man over here. Yeah. Look, you yeah. can't you can't that's... think logically in a system where it's meant to it's just illogical. stop the process. And that's the other part of this is like half the lawmakers want it to go forward, the other half don't, right? So that's the problem is they don't care about these civil lawsuits. What they care about is this system proliferating through their state where they can't control the money. And I think what it all boils down to. It's always about the money and they want they want the people that they want to be operating so that they they can benefit. And and that's the deal. It's it's beyond it's beyond all of these fundamental things that make so much sense to about ninety-nine percent of the people in this country. Um, but that's the that's the power of politics. And this is how it works. And especially in a place like Alabama, Mississippi. Uh, you know, Jason and I were in Mississippi. Oh yeah, we bro, see, we were out there. Yeah, we were there. Oh, we were, bro, we were, we were in the dirty, there. dirty. Of the Mississippi. And we see, we I, don't see how know, I don't even know if I'm safe there. I mean, my only hope for this program, however well formed or not, is that these programs need to be coupled with resources and that these license holders who are social equity need to be provided with more than some little tutorial on how to be a good bond tender and that these states need to make sure that they're allocating adequate resources to stand up these nascent regulated little paradigms and to ensure the success of these businesses. And I always believe that separate from the language in their regs, I can tell how serious somebody is by how much resources they're allocating towards something. So if they put adequate resources towards standing up these businesses, I'm happy. And if they don't, I'm not. And on that, we're going to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. Oh, yes, and we're back. Oh, stop whatever you're doing and make sure you hit that like button down there. I know you'll feel better about it. We'll feel better about it, and YouTube will feel be better about it as well. Make sure you subscribe to the channel as well if you have not subscribed already. And 
on January 1st. We're going to be moving channels to Hyatt 9 News, H-I-G-H-A-T-N-I-N-E News. That's where you will catch our daily news broadcast Monday through Friday starting January 1st. So make sure you go and subscribe, and Adam's going to throw that channel link in the chat just to help you find it even better. And all the articles that we cover on today's show you can go and read at www.hyatt9news.com. We'll see you there. The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The control tower from Highly Educated. Up next, we got a second generation cultivator that doesn't always believe in second chances. He's the founder of Special Teams <laughs> Consulting and also known as the Sebastopol Sage. Y'all know who it is, Yaro Kubrin. Oh man, don't get me started. Don't even. Oh, get me started. good morning, good morning, good morning, Hyatt News viewers. This is Yaro Kubrin, Tuesday, December 5th, 9 37 a.m. Pacific time. And when I'm not riff rambling and ranting, I am covering articles like this. My article this morning cannabis users to be protected from workplace discrimination in California. Under a new state laws, Employees will not be able to be reprimanded or fire. Employers will not be able to reprimand or fire employees for off-duty cannabis use. California employers will soon be barred from discriminating against employees or applicants based on cannabis use outside of the workplace. On January 1, a new set of state laws, Assembly Bill 2188 and Senate Bill 700, that expand the state's Fair Employment and Housing Acts to add certain employment protections for those who engage in marijuana use, will go into effect. AB 2188 was passed and signed into law by Governor Gavin Newsom in 2022, and SB 700, which was signed this year, clarified and expanded certain provisions of AB 2188 before it was set to go into effect in 2024. Under the new laws, it will be illegal for employers to with five or more employees to penalize potential or current workers for off-duty cannabis use. SB 700 specified that this protection prohibits an employer from asking an applicant about their prior use of the substance, except if they are permitted to consider a criminal history with cannabis-related crimes. The law also bars employers from reprimanding workers who fail an employee-required drug screen test with a positive test for non-psychoactive cannabis metabolites. These metabolites are a dormant footprint of cannabis that is stored in one's body after the THC metabolizes. Experts say most drug tests from employees primarily screen for these metabolites as opposed to active THC. Unlike active THC, the presence of metabolites usually does not indicate impairment and has not been found to lead to a higher risk of workplace accidents, according to Normal, National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. However, these new laws do not bar other measures that employers may take to maintain a drug-free workplace. According to AB 2188, employers can still screen workers for the presence of active THC and take disciplinary measures against employers who are impaired in the workplace. Certain types of employers, like those in construction trades or in workplaces that receive federal funding, who are required by federal law to test for controlled substances, are exempt from these testing protections. 
While there is consensus that no one should ever show up for work high or impaired, testing positive for this metabolite has no correlation to workplace safety or productivity. Assembly member Sharon Quirk Silva, who authored AB21, said in a 2022 report, testing for THC may indicate an individual is impaired at work and is a, and it is a better way to maintain workplace safety. AB2188 is a balanced solution that will protect the rights of employees and employers. California Voyagers legalized marijuana for recreational use by adults in a 2016 referendum, Prop 64. The ballot measure came about a decade after voters approved the removal of restrictions for medicinal cannabis use in the state. Despite being legal, advocates say that workplace discrimination against employees who use cannabis lawfully remains a pervasive issue, one that disproportionately impacts black communities. According to a study from the American Addiction Center, black people are more than twice as likely to be reprimanded or fired for failing a drug test compared to their white counterparts who reported more leniency from employers. Total shocker. California joins seven other states with laws on the books aimed at protecting employment rights for recreational and medicinal marijuana users. Washington, Nevada, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Montana, and Rhode Island. This is Yarrow Cooper. Oh, 20 states, including Arkansas, Delaware, Illinois, Maine, and Pennsylvania, only prohibit workplace discrimination against medical marijuana users. This is Yarrow Cooper and Hyatt 9 News. I want to hear what the rest of you guys think. Long overdue. Yeah, this is great news. This is great news, oh, but at the same great. time, at the same time, you know, if you want, yeah, to, if you want to be that dude, overdue. don't have more than five employees. However, what? however, no. devil's advocate, devil, devil's advocate here. What? Uh, what you do on your own time and how you present yourself on your own time can still come back to bite you in your ass because you might not want somebody representing your company. For what they're doing on their own time, yeah, I, I don't, I don't understand publicly as such. I really don't understand the meaning of why they would say, you know, with with any company with five five uh, five employees or more would would fall under this. Why not just say all California companies? That just doesn't make yeah. a lot of sense. It doesn't make sense. Is, Yara, do you I'm have not any- sure if five is the critical mass. For me, the takeaway was the last sentence at the end when it talked about how these uh, workplace practices are still used as a form of for lack of a better term, institutionalized racism. And so when we talk about rules and regs and what's fair and what's not fair, sometimes it's not the rules, it's how the rules are administered or enforced. And so we know that people of color are three to five times more likely to be arrested for cannabis in this country. And so I was saddened but not surprised that these employment practices are also used as as a tool um, to keep certain constituents under 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 opportunity and so i'm i like the welcome change uh and and i think it's a step in the right direction but it's a small step Uh, but it's i agree with you totally yarrow it would surprise me i had i don't think i've heard that statistic before i mean i knew it but i don't think that i'd ever heard it reported on before and so thank you for bringing that to light um i mean it's something that in our communities we just know that happens um, more often than not, because it affects our families. And so we see yep. it, you know, but we don't hear it as much. And I, of course, knowing the arrest um, uh, ratio is disproportionate, um, hearing that really kind of solidifies the institutional racism. So thank you. I appreciate that information. 
think the stigma from cannabis isn't really gone until we have the exact opposite, which is we have protection for workers who don't smoke cannabis because on the onboarding and hiring practices, bosses, especially in creative jobs, are like, hey, you smoke a little weed on the side. And if people say no, they might not get hired. And therefore, we need to protect those workers that don't consume cannabis. I mean, there's a lot of jobs where off-duty cannabis use could be very, very helpful, either from a stress reduction, wellness perspective, unlocking some creative part of the brain, or just being able to tune out, clock out, and come back fully rested and ready for that next shift. Um, we, we got some ways to go, though. A lot of Agreed. ways. A lot of ways to go. Every on job. That. Yes, we're going to go to job. a commercial, and we're going to be right back. I'm Jason Beck, and this is Smoky Vanilla. And if you want to feel as good as I look, then you need to get yourself a stretch and smoke with Smoky Vanilla. That's right, baby. I'm Smoky Vanilla with my background in kinesiology. I'm a sports massage therapist and stretch coach. I focus mostly on athletes who have chronic pain or injury due to their sport or the legends of the chronic in the game, baby. Oh, yeah. You know what it is. We just stretched, and now we're going to smoke because you know what it is. That's right. I love intuitively creating a session based on the individual I'm working with. We'll go through a few assessments, look at the past health history, injury, or anything that's still affecting you today, and create a customized session just for you. Let's go. Child, Todd, weren't you? Oh, oh. man. Whoa. Whoa. You know, coming up. No, nobody yeah. wins when the family feuds. Oh, easy, Come on. Easy, easy, easy. I'm just saying it went quick because there was a lot of people there. I don't it. care. So so he rolled, yeah. the, he rolled a quickie. Hey, huh? My pot is your pot, sir. It was hey. fun. We only smoke the best weed in the world around here. I don't know. I think it was some of that dusty, dusty Colorado I weed. I don't want to hear no tapping out of you, Jason. It was that dusty no Colorado weed that just burnt up like like that it was actually the most fire ass <laughs> california weed, I, but bet, yes. I bet i bet i bet but nonetheless coming up next that's right it's mr saman razani the man who loves colorado weed and whose formulations are so good that it reminds women over 50 how to say hello again that's right it is none other than mr saman razani hello 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 dear audience and friends and family from across the globe tuning in to the highest show on YouTube. Uh, today we have an interesting sh uh, story from across the pond, as they say, coming straight out of Germany. Marijuana Moment reports Germany delays final vote on marijuana legalization bill until next year. Luckily for us, it's almost next year. A final vote on a bill to legalize marijuana in Germany that was initially planned for this week has been called off amid concerns from leaders of the country's Social Democratic Party, the SPD. The delay means that action on the landmark proposal will be postponed until next year. It's, it always has to be approved by the parliamentary groups in the end, said Dirk Heidenblut, a SPD member of Germany's Budenstag, who was responsible for the party's cannabis policy, said in an Instagram post, and if a fraction of a faction leader, I'm sorry, in this case, the SPD has concerns, then it cannot be set up yet. Despite the delay, Heidenblatt added that as long as the measure advances by the end of January, the delay shouldn't shouldn't meaningfully impact the schedule for implementing legalization. If lawmakers pass the bill, 
the early stages of reform, including home cultivation for personal use, would begin as soon as April. The development in the late, uh, I'm sorry, the development in the latest of several delays to have slowed the bill's pace through Parliament. Lawmakers initially delayed their first debate on the on the legalization, which was held in October, ostensibly due to the conflict in Israel and Palestine. They also pushed back a vote schedule scheduled for last month as supporters worked on the improvements to the bill. While Heidenblatt's recent comments didn't elaborate on SPD's concerns or provide further detail on the delay, proponents of the legalization me measure faced criticism in the Bundestag last week uh, that suggested ongoing hesitancy about the policy change. At a meeting on Wednesday, Health Minister Karl Lauterbach took questions from members, some of whom opposed legalization. At several points, he pushed back against lawmakers who suggested that legalization would send the wrong message to youth and lead to increased underage consumption, saying their arguments misrepresented the legalization according to the translation. The fact remains that, chi that child and youth protection is carried out through education and, and sales to children and young people remain prohibited, Lauterbach says. That is the only way, that is the only change we have made in this area, a tightening. Lawmakers also recently made a, uh, a raft of adjustments to the bill, mostly designed to loosen restrictions that faced opposition from advocates and supporters in the Budenstag. They, they included increasing home possession maximums and removing the possibility of jail time for possessing slightly more than the allowable limit, which is really good. Lawmakers further agreed to stagger the implementation of the reform, making possession and home cultivation legal for adults beginning in April. Social clubs that could distribute marijuana to members would open in July. Officials are eventually planning to introduce a complementary second measure that would establish pilot programs for commercial sales in cities throughout the country. That, le that legalization is expected to be unveiled after it's submitted to the European Commission for review. As for the last delay, uh, as for the latest delay, rather, the German news outlet LTO reported that it's unclear whether whether S the SPD faction leaders has a problem with the content of the law, or simply whether focusing on marijuana issues in times of budget crisis sh uh, shortly before Christmas seems inappropriate to them. The Bundestag could now take up the measure as soon as January 18th or 19th, LTO said, or just in February. The German news publication Der Spiegel, meanwhile, reported that the hang-up is a result of criticism from domestic SPD politicians. There, there was no argument, oh, I'm sorry, there was no agreement with the domestic politicians of the SPD faction at the time. Domestic politician uh, Sebastian Fiedler told the outlet, if the law on cannabis legalization were to be voted on now, there would be a significant portion of no votes from the SPD faction, including my own. An SPD spokesperson in the Budenstag, meanwhile, told the publication, we are confident that the law will be passed promptly in the new year in the Budenstag. A member of parliament from the Green Party, Kristen Kappert-Gaunter, expressed disappointment about the delay. It is extremely unfortunate that cannabis has not is not yet on the tagens tagens or dung 
<laughs> Sorry if I slaughtered that. Legislate the legislative agenda in the Budin Uh A step up would have been the poss a step up would have been possible. Uh, Cooper Gunter said. She noted that in April that the April start date for certain elements of legalization, however, can still be achieved if it's set up at the beginning of the year. Uh, Atis Gupernar, who represents the, the left party in the Bundestag, didn't mince words on social media following the announcement of the delay. It is, a it is politically so stupid that the SPD leader is stopping the cannabis law, Gupernar wrote in social media. It is once again bowing to the culture war to the of the right and thereby making it bigger <clears throat> the messing around of the legislaturing uh the legislature in german which i also slaughtered <laughs> keeps the issue on the boil from the right just get through it damn it he says members of the german public are also disappointed as evidenced by social media posts from carmen weggie a member of the SPD who supports the legalization proposal. Dear everyone, she wrote, if you are dissatisfied, please write me an email or contact me in another way. Finding out my employee's home number and making phone calls on the weekend doesn't result in a, in a step up. The German Hemp Association was launched in pro, in, uh, has launched a protest action in response to the delay in which it's urging lawmakers to move forward with a legalization bill. The group is asking supporters to send letters to their representatives to call for the bill to be passed without further restriction. The SPD faction that that's holding up the process, the Hemp Association said, not only threatens to derail the country's timeline for legalization, but also contradicts the statement of all other parties involved that there is an agreement on their on their content of the bill. Following the bill's final reading in the Bundestag, it will go to the uh, Bundesrat, a separate legislative body that represents German that represents the German states. Members of the Bundesrat tried to block the pro the proposed reform in September, but ultimately failed. The legislation proposal is being spearheaded by Lauterbach, the health minister, who first shared details about the revised legislation plan in April. The following month, he distributed the legislative text to cabinet officials. Lawmakers in the Budenstag recently held a hearing in the Health Committee at which opponents criticized some elements of the proposal. The body also heard, heard a competing policy proposal from the union, a political alliance of the Christian Democratic Union and Christian Social Unions, the CDU and the CSU, that would not legalize marijuana, but instead improve health protection and strengthen education, prevention, and research, Cooper Gonthard said at the time. The health minister responded to early criticisms of the bill from medical and law enforcement groups by emphasizing that the reform could take, uh, the reform would be coupled with a major campaign to educate the public about the risks of using cannabis. Germany's federal cabinet approved the initial framework from the the legalization measure late last year but the government wanted to sign off from the wanted to get sign off from the eu to ensure that enacting the reform wouldn't put them in violation of their international obligations the framework was the product of months of review and negotiations with the german administration and the traffic light coalition government officials took a first step forward uh uh forward 
toward legalization last summer, kicking off a series of hearings meant to help inform legalization to end prohibition in the country. Government officials from multiple countries, including the U.S., also met in Germany last month to discuss international marijuana policy issues and a host of, of the nation's works to enact legalization. A group of German lawmakers, as well as narcotics drug commissioner Burkhard Bleinert, separately visited the U.S. and toured California cannabis businesses last year to inform the country's approach to legalization. The visit came about two months after the officials from Germany, Luxembourg, and Malta and the Netherlands held the first-of-its-kind meeting to discuss plans and challenges associated with recreational marijuana legalization. Leaders of the coalition government said in 2021 that they had reached an agreement to end cannabis prohibition and enact regulations for its legal industry. And they, and they first previewed uh, certain details of that plan last year. A novel international survey that was released last year found a majority support for legalization in several key European countries, including Germany. Simon. That's my story today. And what do you all think? Go for it, Rico. Well, Edelweiss, Edelweiss. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Hey, um, you know, we could cover it last week. It was, it was a bait and switch. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole law, the way they, yeah, the whole thing came out, and um, corporations are winning. You know who's going to win? You know who wins in this is Canada, Canada, because they have another outlet for all their boof weed. (laughs) From what I I have heard, uh, Germany has a pretty established trap market out there. It's been doing some uh, some big things for years. So um, I I think the people should not get all up in arms uh, so quickly about this because the trap always comes through. Trapping shots. We don't need anybody up in arms in Germany. No more arms for y'all. You fucked it up, okay? You don't get any after that. We're not gonna we're not gonna devolve into politics here. Yeah, so what I really I know you want you want us to take that bait. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate Simon bringing us an international story, not being afraid of the length of the article in terms of the attention span of the viewers as well as the other guests. And you know it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. Oh, we don't have time. Yeah, to well, let's go. go let's go to that, Todd. Let, let's, let's go to the top of the hour. Talk. And, and, and the golden to voice has those to German speak. words. Yes. I can't do it. Yeah, we're German, right. we're too many consonants. No, it's your commitment to the rehearsal. So we're, we're not going to get demonetized if I say so admirable. I do think it's an important market worth covering, and I do think there's some opportunity in Germany. I think, there's, I think there's, there's plenty of opportunity. Of course, there's in, opportunity in Germany. in Germany. They got euros. And, and, yeah, uh, Aurora Cannabis and uh, those Canadian company Tilray are, are are getting a second wind because of Germany. Mm-hmm. Big sh- big shout out to them. You know, they sold all their assets in Canada and they moved their talents across the pond over to Europe. I thought you were going to say they sold their ass out there. There's a country that needs to get high. It's Germany. For yeah, because sure. we have seen them get low. In the past, that's for sure. Don't want to bring it back there, but uh, we do have to keep this moving because we are uh, we are close to the end of the hour. And up next, bringing us home today is the founder of the Smuggleverse, president and founder of Digipath Labs. And whether y'all knew it or not, last week y'all MJ Bizheads in Vegas were kicking it in his backyard. Y'all know who it is, Todd Dankin. 
Thank you very much. I'll try to talk very, very quickly because I know we're short on time. But uh, a little good news out of New Jersey as New Jersey launches the second phase of Cannabis Seed Equity Grant Program and has $8 million earmarked for social equity cannabis business applicants. The New Jersey Economic Development Authority, an agency responsible for providing financial assistance to New Jersey-based businesses, recently announced that it will now be accepting applications for Phase 2 of its Cannabis Equity Seed Grant Program. This phase includes a total of $8 million that will be split up between 48 applicants, each receiving $150,000. Entirety of the Cannabis Seed Equity Grant Program offers a total of $20 million to applicants with either a conditional or annual cannabis license with the goal of providing funds for startup and operation expenses during a business's first three years. First phase of the program allocated only 40% of the funds for social equity applicants, whereas phase two is utilizing 100% of reserved funding for social equity purposes. The application window for phase two opened on November 30th, and approved applicants will receive $150,000 and no-cost technical assistance, which includes an eight-week program for grant recipients to benefit uh, in the form of webinars. Technical Assistance Program will provide training on converting a conditional license to an annual license, building a cannabis business team, financial management, securing investors, supply chain management, and much, much more, according to the New Jersey Economic Development Authority. According to the Chief Executive uh, Officer Tim Sullivan, building out this new program will bolster the state's cannabis industry. He said, under Governor Murphy's leadership, New Jersey is on the forefront of creating a stronger and fairer cannabis market, especially for communities historically harmed by the unjust war on drugs. Seed Equity Grant, which is specifically designed for social equity applicants, will help create an equitable, inclusive marketplace that will create jobs and strengthen communities all while ensuring entrepreneurs are able to reap the industry's economic benefits and have access to the resources needed to succeed. wonder how long it took him to come up with that sentence. Cannabis Regulatory Commission also signed off on the effort to pri- prioritize social equity. CRC Chair Diana Hulu said, We are excited to see grant funding being used to help social equity applicants realize their entrepreneurship dreams. Beyond the skills and business acumen it takes to be an entrepreneur in any industry, starting a cannabis business faces additional challenges, including limited access to traditional means of business funding. Phase one applicants were not required to have secured real estate or municipal approval for their cannabis business. For phase two grant applications, applicants, uh, applicants must seek all CRC criteria, as well as have already obtained a conditional license. According to NJEDA, uh, the most recent application window was so popular that by December 1st, new applicants were placed on a wait list. Based on significant interest in the Cannabis Equity Seed Equity Grant, the NJEDA has already received applications up to or exceeding the amount of funding available for the program. All submitted applicants uh, that are received in time will be placed on a wait list and will be reviewed uh at the end to determine if there is funding available to support the application. Recently in October, uh, NJEDA announced $12 million in funds for 48 cannabis businesses, getting $250,000 each, describing the round as one of the largest social equity grants of its kind. In the U.S., Governor Phil Murphy 
uh, spoke about how essential it is to invest in social equity programs. As the cannabis industry continues to reach new heights in New Jersey, it is important that we build on our efforts to support the businesses seeking to enter and grow within this emerging markets. The cannabis equity program allows us to simultaneously expand the pool of cannabis businesses in our state while also focusing on those communities most impacted by the unethical or on drugs. Murphy added, as we work to create a stronger, fairer, and more equitable cannabis market, our administration will continue to increase access and opportunity to the small businesses entering the industry. Oh, New Jersey moving forward with social equity program that might actually be working. What do you guys think? Will it be duplicated? Will it actually work? I'm Todd Dankin with Hyatt Nine News. Hey, I got a couple. I got a couple quick hits on this one. Um, um, New Jersey <laughs> hey. has done a pretty good job uh, with their rollout and with the rhetoric. We'll see how it rolls out and um, if it is actually uh, effective at the end of the day. But they have done a good job um, uh, actually looking and trying to learn from all of the nation's other social equity uh, um, uh, programs that have failed. So biggest shout out to their team. They came actually came out here and we had a round table with some of the OGs in the social equity uh, space here in Los Angeles. Big shout out to my man, Wes, uh, doing the damn thing. Uh, the problems I have with this article though, um, what the fuck is that stock picture that they chose? They chose a black man like smoking. <laughs> There's a stock picture, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, yo, uh, um, yeah, NJEDA chief executive officer uh, Tim Sullivan. That's definitely a white man. Uh, looked up his picture. Oh, Who is this stock image of a black man just uh, with smoke coming out of his mouth, representing hilarious. the New Jersey uh, right. social equity program? Why did they use that picture? I got questions. High times. What's going on over there? <laughs> <laughs> How does this That's represent hilarious. the New Jersey social equity program? You just got some random stock image of a black man with smoke we'll have to agree with you um, just New Jersey, what I've seen happen in New Jersey, um, they they fought, they bucked against the governor when things were. <laughs> Who is this man? Were, <laughs> Who is that? When things weren't going their way. Um and and I and I think that what I've seen so far is like they, they are learning from other markets yeah, um, yeah. and their social equity programs and taking that into heat. Shout out to Leo, um, all the people I know Shout on the ground in New Jersey yeah. that are doing yeah. the work. And um, and That's so I, I, yeah, I see that um, that I, I appreciate it. And and like you said, we'll we'll see. Um, they haven't fully. They thought about the capital part, which I love. Um, they they really created a program to actually get them money, um, which is what was lacking in most other social equity programs. Um, and um, so we're, we're watching very closely New Jersey, and I hope that they do create a, a like a socially equal type of um, in ownership and and industry in New Jersey. I love to see it. I, I will say this about New Jersey. Their, their, their regulators definitely get active on Twitter, and so shout out to them because they actually are the ones that will call out other state regulators in regards to their hypocrisy when it comes to social equity. That sounds like a New Jersey approach to anything, right? Yeah. And, 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 I, I, I love I it. I love it. it. I, I hope I they do more of it. plug for Bridgewater. Leo, doing work out there, game recognized game. I think the critical thing here, and I said it earlier in this show, is you show me your budget and I'll show you your priorities. If you're not putting resources into social equity programs, then you are not even doing a good job tokenizing, right? And so I think the thing that I would hope to impress upon our viewership. Yeah, meaning okay. if you stand up a program and you put no resources for it, you're just yeah. trying to make yourself look good, but you're not really trying to create measurable, you see what he did there, positive right, impact. 
did. All right, I just want to make sure you saw what he did there. Okay. All right, just want to make. He's he's on a roll today. He's on a roll today. Yeah, I yeah. am. I double dosed the disco tab before <laughs> I turned on my yeah. board. I dig it. I'm picking up what the you're thing, putting down, baby. The thing I just want to press upon our viewership is that it's really important in my mind to understand that this money is not an entitlement program. This money is not welfare. This money is not democratic communism. This money is the beginning, the tip of the iceberg in supporting industry and also recognizing the previous impacts. And so 12 million is a drop in the bucket, but it's a drop in the right direction. This is not an entitlement program. And there's not a single industry in the United States that I can think of that hasn't benefited from government support as either tax breaks or grant funding. And so let's just understand that the only thing politicians can even do a halfway decent job at is throwing money at problems. And at least they're throwing some money at the right problems. That's right, agreed. I like how you put you that. Wanna, you want to you have a final word on that one, uh, uh, Todd or Saman? I would say nice job, New Jersey, uh, you know, except for the photograph. I'm willing to bet that that guy did not get paid to have his image published. Right. No, it's a stock image. It comes from Shutter's oh, stock, uh, stock image. Yeah, there you mm -hmm. go. Yeah. <laughs> I hey, said, find a black dude said, smoking uh, weed. You know, <laughs> they could have gone outside and got that picture. Get <laughs> him with the horn again. <laughs> Adam, they're asking for the horn, Adam. Yes, yes. So, but thank you all I think that was for joining one, us but... for yet another episode of High 9 News. You can catch us live weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to the super fans showing love, getting their comments posted live on the big screen. Our live audience and online supporters catching us across all media platforms, tuning in each day to the headlines of chaos, also known as the developing cannabis industry. To our vetted correspondent team tuning in from all over, bringing us much needed variety of perspective and your respected opinions to the table. Our production team, cloud media partners, Big Adam, always in the building. Yeah. Can I get a horn for that? There we go. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Keeping the lights on and our AV struggles to a minimum. As always, Cannabis Steva L, the reason we show up to read these stories every single day. Thank you too, baby girl. It has been Tuesday, December 5th, 2023. The show's over. You've all been blessed with the top industry headlines. Hope is enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until tomorrow. I'm Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street. And um, I'm going to give it up to uh, Nicole Buffong. Yes, yes, yes. And hold on. One we want we want to wish we do want to wish Nicole a very, very fond farewell. Today is going to be her last episode. She is going to be getting oh. her own show on Power 88 in Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh. Okay. So we want to send her much love and and, and uh, much success with all of the projects and whatnot. And Nicole is big family with High and Nine News. And so we want to make sure that she has the last be back. Show. Thank you so much. It's been so much fun over the years. I just want to say um, to all of the audience out there, make sure you keep being an advocate because that's what this is all about. We have to stay informed. We have to stay educated so that we can empower our own communities because um, cannabis truly is medicine. So thank you, Hyatt Nine News. I love my Hyatt Nine News family. And I'll be back. Let me get everything situated purple. and I'll be back. Oh, good, luck. good luck out there. Break a leg. You're going to awesome. do amazing. Respect. Thank you. Yeah. Power 88 in Las Vegas, Nevada.